Hello, Logic friends. This is Amanda Elliott, the host of episode 35 with Crystal Monique Alamar. Crystal is a junior flame artist from New York, but currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Had a great time catching up with Crystal as she deep dives into her story about how she went from audio engineering to healthcare and now working with flame. Hope you enjoy the episode. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed www.thehotspring.com. Crystal, hi, welcome. How are hi. you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> hi, yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks. And thank you so much for joining me today on the Logic Podcast. Very excited to hear your story and would love to, uh, you know, start off with like how you got started in the business. It's definitely been a journey. It, I never, ever thought flame artist or VFX was like a thing. I didn't even know it was like a path I could take. I kind of fell into it. I originally went to school for like audio engineering and music business. And somehow I ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> it started when I first graduated college and I was trying to pursue the, the whole music side or whatever. I interned for a company for a post-production house that had like two sister music companies as well within the same building. It was called Company X Media. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they were based out of New York. And that was around like 2009 is when I did the internship. And whenever the, the music companies, it was Shouted Out Loud and Sugarbox. I think it was, I would mostly intern with them, the music companies. And then whenever they had downtime and it was like nothing going on, they would send me to the edit house and I would just, just observe. And like, and that's how I kind of got open to like editing and got a little bit of exposure to flame, but it, it flame still wasn't even like a thing. I was like, okay, maybe they work with fire. <laughs> well, there was another box called fire back in the day. So technically you're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but that's all I thought. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, so I didn't think anything of it. Um, so I did that internship for a while. Then I think that was like around the recession and like companies weren't really hiring. And I was like, I need a job, job. So yeah. I ended up leaving the entertainment business and went back into healthcare. Because I've had I had a lot of like experience in healthcare, like working in a pharmacy, doing being an interpreter and stuff like that. So I went oh, back wow. there. That's cool. I did that for like about two years, but I was missing being in the entertainment industry, and I was like, okay, I want to give it a shot again. So I think I I resigned after two years, and I started doing music internships again, and then realized I was like, I don't want to be an engineer. Oh no, what am I going to do? <laughs> but it's good that you realize that early on though, right? Like yeah. rather than spending X amount of years and like going, oh man, I wish I could have redone that. Yeah. I mean, because I think part of it was like, there wasn't the opportunities that specifically that I wanted to try in New York. See, as far as like the music side, I really wanted to get into Foley and that wasn't, oh, nice. it, was, it just wasn't like at the time there was like one maybe major studio that did Foley work in New York and you still had to be like 
in college to be considered into their internship program. So it was like, I had no idea how I was going to get my way in there. Oh, I see. All the other Foley studios were like either in LA or Vancouver. And I'm like, I just recently graduated. I'm poor. I'm not moving over there. <laughs> so so it was like, hard at first getting tra- getting back into the entertainment business and trying to figure my way out and like, um, and like what I was going to do next. I got an interview for a union. They needed a receptionist. They were in dire, dire need of a receptionist. <laughs> and um, I interviewed... And it so happens the day that I interviewed, there were some people there that I used to intern with at Company X Media. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> For me, the interview went well, but I think the icing on the cake was that the the EP who interviewed me, she realized I knew some people and I think she got got the dirt on me and I guess they said great <laughs> things and stuff. And then that's how I got the job. So I started union as a receptionist and then I just kind of like worked my way up, really. That was like my home for eight years. So I was a receptionist for like about a good four and I was wearing a lot of like hats during that time. I was like doing client services. I was just kind of like the EP's right hand person on stuff, you know, like doing the clerk stuff and whatnot. And then eventually, you know, she was just like... I see gumption. I see, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, but I want to do something. I clearly don't, I don't want to be a receptionist forever. She was like, no, who, who does? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, you get even in any role, if you get in the same role for a long time, you get complacent and you either get like itchy to do something else. Yeah. You knew, Hey, this really isn't the path I want to go, but you also knew it was a foot in the door. Yeah. So then um, she was like, well, let's, let's get you into producing and by then I already had an idea of like how bids work and how the budgets were working and more or less I was just like shadowing the producers a lot and then after like a few months they were like you know what would be great a great crash course if you help shadow and kind of like oversee some of the online projects for flame Ooh. And I was like, uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, no, 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 it would be a crash course. That's the finishing side of things. You know, there's a little, there's a void there where like sometimes the the offline producers will be so tied up in things that sometimes they won't be able to like oversee what's being done in the flame room and whatnot. She was like, we'll have a main, the graphics producer at the time, she was like, they'll be the lead producer Mm -hmm. but um and you obviously tag team when you get overwhelmed but shadow him and kind of like work your way and that was my way into like seeing the workflow of how things came in when they go into edit the back and forth of review and then color and then finally to flame was it overwhelming for you then not really because i think while as a receptionist for like once I got my handle on like my role as a receptionist, then I was I was already hungry like to figure out more stuff. Like I was always bugging the assistants and the IT director, like, why do we do it this way? Why do they do it this way? Good questions. The question of why. The question of why is the best question ever. I was always hungry to learn and thankfully I was surrounded by people who were like so open to actually tell me and talk to me about it you know even as busy as they were anytime they had downtime I'd be like hey what you doing can I see what you're working on it was kind of like that it was a lot of that so 
by then I kind of had an idea of the workflow and how, why things were done the way they were, but I didn't have a complete visual of it. Well, you know, I was never actually in it, in the trenches, so to speak. So I think for maybe a year, I was like, as a junior producer, part with offline, but mostly with like flame and just get a handle of that. And it was, it really was a crash course. Yeah. <laughs> and um, exposure of like how the whole flow, how the dynamics, the different relationships between clients and the producers, the EP and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of times where I was able to sit in the room with the producers too and the client on supervised sessions. And it'll be like, you be a fly, don't say anything. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, and I would just be there with my notebook, just taking notes and whatnot. Then it would be like, if the main producer couldn't be on a supervised session, they would ask me to be there, to be the one to take the notes for the red pen sessions. Oh, nice. So that's kind of how it started. Me being even like strengthening my attention to detail. Mm-hmm. So then because I was taking the notes, I would like work closely with the flame artist afterwards and like go over the notes and we'll go over and try to come up with a budget of like how long it seemed to take. And sometimes if there was downtime, I would sit with the flame artist and just see the magic happen. And I'd be like, how'd you do that? Oh, what did you do? Oh my God, that's so cool. And so that's kind of how it started. And I did that for, for the first year, I was just like a junior producer and then like by the second year, they were like, okay, you're the flame producer. Just be the flame producer. Oh, nice. And I was like, okay, I can do it. So I did that for like another year, maybe two years. And I just worked a lot of the flame artists that came and the flame assistant was a really good friend of mine, Molly Tomacek. Oh, yeah. She was on Woman of Flame. Yeah. When she worked at Union, she was a flame assistant. When I became a flame producer, I worked closely with her and... Jason, who was the lead uh, flame artist at the time, they kind of helped me really how to figure out how to be a better flame producer of the things that like the little nuances that they weren't <laughs> liking that yeah. of the workflow as far as like the information that was being communicated, like on what exactly the client wanted, the expectations, the due dates. Sometimes there's always like, for some reason, and it's not, and it wasn't just at the place I was at, but in many companies, I feel like the timeline is never the same from <laughs> a flame artist's perspective and a producer's perspective. They were like, oh, it's due on this date. And then I was like, what's due? I was like, the first viewing or... <laughs> Let's get specifics here. What exactly are we talking about? <laughs> do right? you mean the first posting or do you mean when it's done, done? Because that, that's two very two different things. So... They just helped me like become a better rounded producer, I feel like, just working closely with them. That's great. And then after that, Molly was like, I'm ready for something new. I'm out. So they got a new flame assistant and we just had a nice little team there. And then I was always working with them and I was a lot of work coming in one year. And it was just like overwhelming to the point that the flame assistant was getting overwhelmed. So sometimes they would shoot stuff to me to QC. So it would be little things like that. So right before we were going to post anything, they would just ask me to like have extra eyes. And again, and then it got to a point where like I got the nickname Eagle Eyes. Ooh, nice. And I, gained, I got really proud about it too. As you should. Everyone would call me Eagle Eyes. And it got to a point, everyone was sending me stuff 
even for like offline postings, like, do you mind just looking at this real quick? Just show me if, because I've been looking at this forever and like, I just need new eyes. <laughs> just get your eagle eyes on this real quick. <laughs> so it's just like throughout the years, it would be like little, little stuff would just slowly get on my plate, work <laughs> gradually on my plate. And then the flame assistant, after like maybe two years, he was like, I think I'm ready to go to new things. And so instead of getting a new person, they came to me and they were like, you work so closely with them. You know how to do the encoding deliverables and whatnot. Do you, would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, yeah, I could do it. How did you feel about that? Were you super nervous to take on a new role? I was still hesitant about it because at the time, I think they were still trying to figure out what they were going to do. And I was still going to have my producer role and still be um, not necessarily a flame assistant, but like I was going to do, I was going to handle the deliverables in that sense. I did that for a few months, like a good six months until they were like, listen, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a flame assistant? They were like, do you want to learn flame or do you want to stay the producer or do you want to be an assistant? Like you sat in just about every seat here. Right? What do you want to <laughs> do? really trying to sell you on this. <laughs> I don't know why I was so hesitant, but well, I have an idea. But I think finally I was like, you know what? I'm not getting younger. I need to get, get, it, get it together. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then... It was weird because when I finally decided it, then slowly I was slowly handing off my producer roles. And then like six months later, COVID happened. Oh, man. And then it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. So what happened during that whole period? Like, were you able to still stay where you were? Yes and no. <laughs> so I did that for for like about a year. And we, we did the remote work for about a year, but it was like, it was just unprecedented times, really, because no one knew what to do. It was just like, everyone was frazzled. Everyone mm -hmm. was trying to like, keep it together. And we were just getting a handle on like, getting the workflow up to par, like as if we were in the office, remote wise. Gotcha. So there wasn't really any room to learn more than what I had already learned. At that point, it was really basic stuff, really navigational, archiving stuff. There was no real room to learn like batch effects and things like that, even though I've seen it from shadowing, but I've never had the opportunity to actually go one-on-one -on -one with an artist to do it. And then doing it remote, it was like, it felt impossible to do it. Yeah, I see. Because it was like, I was living in a full house. <laughs> My sister was next to me doing school. <laughs> My mom was behind me working. <laughs> it was like, it was crazy. So I, after like a year in New York being on lockdown, which seems like forever. Oh, that's right. Somehow an opportunity fell on my lap to go for a flame, uh, post house where I'm at now in Atlanta. They needed a flame assistant. They asked me if I was willing to relocate. I was like, what? <laughs> I think I did a Zoom meeting with all the owners and stuff like that. And they seemed like really cool, really nice people. I think they had a hard time finding a lot of flame assistants in Atlanta area. Oh, yeah? Is there not many of them? It's not. Oh. It's not. And a lot of the VFX assistants here are, if they are, they are more exposed to nuke instead of flame. So they were just having a hard time finding people who even wanted to learn flame. So they were just like... They were hungry to find someone to actually teach. And that was rare 
and I was willing to learn. I'm like, is this meant to be? I think it is. So I spoke to my husband. We like weighed the pros and cons. We should do it. We should totally do it. So up until this point, though, how long were you at Union Editorial? Like eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. More than eight years. Yeah. And then here, because the South was like, COVID's over. There was no lockdown. Like, by the time I came, it was in 2021. Like, lockdown was over. They're like, yeah, we're in the office. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it's a very small company. So I knew I was possibly going to be wearing a lot of hats again. But at the same time, it was small enough that it was going to expose me to probably learn more and have to learn quicker. And that's exactly what happened. Because, like, Union was so, it's so big and it has so many different departments that, Mm It was rare that if I even had to open Photoshop or After Effects, you know, because we already have a graphics department and we had like a workflow of things. So here, because um, in Atlanta, the company is smaller. It was just like I was the one who had to like, we'll get the stuff from clients. I'm like, this is wrong. I'd have to open it in Photoshop or open it in After Effects, get it to look right, spit it out for the flame artist. So I love that it did expose me to other programs. I'm not expert in export at all in those programs, but I I know enough now. Mm -hmm. They don't seem as intimidating to me, like compared to five years ago. That's good. And then here, just working with like Andrew Pope, who's the lead flame artist who I work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been so awesome and so patient. And so even though I've worked with many flame artists before who have been patient and have taught me so much, the reason why he's, Different for me is that he matches the way I learn. Oh, that's good. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very tech savvy and he's very, he's very, he's probably one of the only flame artists I know who's like super intuitive with the program. Cause there's like some old school flame artists who are like, you press this button and you'd be like, why? I'm like, I don't know. It just works. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, it was a lot of that when I first was first learning flame. A lot of the flame artists would be like, I'm going to be like, why? Why do you have to? I don't know. Flame just is temperamental and it just works that way. But with with Andrew, somehow like he, I don't know why, but he knew some of the whys. And it would it just made it easier to retain the information mm-hmm. too. Because I'm a very much why person. And that's how like I look at things very analytical sometimes. And so his his way of teaching definitely spoke to my way of learning. And that made it the process a lot easier. There's some people that are really good at watching some of the tutorials online and just getting it. I watch a tutorial five times. I mess it up five times, 10 times. I don't oh even know. Gosh. I redo yes. it over and over and over. And I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, where did I go wrong? I feel like I did the same exact thing. And then I'll ask somebody and they're like, oh, this, 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 and this. Done. And I'm like, that was so much easier. Uh-huh. <laughs> just tell <Right>? me. <laughs> yeah. The very beginning when I was trying to learn Flame, I was doing a lot of tutorials and it was really hard because I just, I couldn't learn that way. It was very, I need, I'm very much like, I need ones on one-on-one. I need you to like walk me through it at least. Mm-hmm. That usually has me good. The tutorials are great for a nice review, a nice refresher for Agreed. me. Yeah. But when I'm using it to learn something for the very first time, I'm like, 
what did we just watch? Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what just happened? And I think the why is so important because sometimes that might help you down the line as well. So if you tell me why now I'm doing this particular thing, exactly. maybe, maybe something else will come up down the line where I'm like, oh, I remember that thing. It does that one thing. And this is why I need to use it again or something like that. So I, I feel yeah, you. The why is so helpful because there's times where like I'll miss a step and I'll be like, why didn't this work? Oh, I know because it's supposed to, when you try to do the tracking in action, and sometimes if you do, if you're trying to do a point track, if you don't do that G mask and link it, it doesn't know what, you know, to actually use as a reference. And I'd be like, oh, I forgot to link it. You know, (laughs) that's how I know. And I'm like, oh, I got the why. I know the why. So I can figure it out easy, like why it's not working. I'm really glad they were patient with you during your learning process. Yeah, learning styles are definitely very important. Yeah, it is. So it's been it's been great. So after a year at Hero, I was I I got promoted from Flame Assistant to Junior Flame Artist, and so I do a lot of like the pre conforms, the base conforms, and some of the not so complex retouch notes and stuff. And some I'm getting more comps now. Sometimes when Andrew is not available sometimes they have me kind of do the conforms and finish it or and do the delivery so i'm so thankful and grateful that they trust me Mm -hmm. enough they feel that my skill set has grown so much that they can actually let me do that and not even worry about it i've actually had my first like a couple months ago i had my first like color supervised session how'd that go (laughs) It went really well. I mean, granted, a lot of the heavy lifting had already happened with Andrew and he mm-hmm. wasn't available. So it was just like a review session. I had to tweak some stuff, but it went really well. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, this is supervised. Oh, my God, he's going to be in the room. But it went fine. <laughs> it went totally fine. It went totally fine. So how did everything go over with your husband when you mentioned this job in Atlanta? Was he excited? He was because just so happens like right before the opportunity came up. So I have family. My grandparents live in Augusta and I try to visit them like every year. And then I think it was around like that. It was still COVID. New York still had a lockdown, but the the peak of it was kind of dwindling down in Georgia. So we wanted to we drove down to see my grandparents for Thanksgiving and I wanted him to see Georgia and whatnot. And he loved it. He fell in love with it. So months later, when this opportunity came up, he's like, yeah, let's go. New York is expensive. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. And I was like, but what about? He's like, no, let's go. That's awesome. <laughs> so it was like a no brainer for him. And I was the one who was like, are you sure? Because I was born and raised in New York. So it was like my first time being living anywhere other than New York. Oh, wow. It was, it was scary. Yeah. But he was definitely like, let's go. <laughs> oh, and your husband too? Has he been in New York most of his life? For a good portion of his life. But he's, he's, from Guyana. So he left, you know, he became a New Yorker at 18. And it was easy for him to like, just leave Mm -hmm. in a way because he's already done that. Yeah, he's already been he's already experienced that. But yeah. Oh, nice. I have to admit, I've only been to New York once. (laughs) like Six years ago, um, uh, stayed in like Greenwich. Right? Right? Is that how you say Greenwich? Mm-hmm. I was in Greenwich for probably like a week just to kind of check it out. And it was in December. So it was really cold. It was really cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no stranger to the cold, but I've also lived in LA the past 15 years. So mm-hmm. I don't have mm-hmm. to deal with the cold anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a choice. You've completely acclimated to the nice. I am weather. so climatized to LA. It's ridiculous. I think it got down to like 
60 the other day and I was like, ooh, that's a little cold. <laughs> no, it's funny you say that because I think in October I went, I went back home to New York and visited my family for like a weekend and I was like, ooh, it's cold. And they're like, oh, you're not a New Yorker anymore. It does that to you, man. You get climatized real quick. You get really comfortable. I was there for five days in November in upstate New York for a wedding from one of my close friends was getting married. But other than that, that was the only time I've been back. And thankfully, it, ha- it just when I left, it started snowing. And I was like, thank God, I don't miss the snow. Not doing mm-hmm. that anymore. I don't miss the snow. <laughs> it's really cool, everything that you've done up until now, like being at Union for so long and then being at Hero and then traveling, moving from New York to Atlanta. I'm really glad that you found a really good home there. It's a really good place. I really liked it out there. It was a lot of fun. And the work life is really different. Yeah. Compared to New York, for sure. New York is very like, it's very fast paced and whatnot, especially in this industry. It's like deadlines, deadlines. We need this now, now, now. Here, it's still we need this now. But at the same time, I feel like there's more wiggle room for the client to be like, you know what? It's fine. We could do this tomorrow. Yeah. It's very like now-ish. And the quality of life is better because it's here is very much family oriented. And like the clients want to be done by like, if they're not done by, it's like, let's do it tomorrow. No, we're not pulling an all-nighter for this. Nice. It's very rare if we have to work overtime here. Mm-hmm. It happens, but nowhere near as much as New York. Oh, I like it. At all. That sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, didn't you say that you also worked with Austin? Oh, yeah. He was the... So he's... Austin (laughs) is the flame assistant that Union hired after I left. And so they asked me if I could give him some pointers or train him a little bit because he had no... He had no, absolutely no experience in flame when they hired him. They just... He was just like hungry to learn. And so they asked me like, do you mind just walking him through like your day-to-day like tasks and stuff like that? And so for like two weeks or so, we did that over Zoom. Yeah. That's so cool. He's, he's so cool. His story was amazing too uh, when we did a Logic Live with him. God, what was it? Like a month ago now. And his story was just, it's so amazing how he was learning everything. He didn't even, yeah, he had no idea what Flame was, right? Mm-hmm. And then was just like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try. And then was doing tutorials. And like, so he comes across as one of those guys that like can watch a tutorial and 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 get it. And I'm like, oh man, so lucky. <laughs> It was so funny because I gave, I was like, Austin, I have these tutorials. I was like, they didn't work that much for me, but I think they'll work for you. And I just gave him my whole library of them. And I think he used that to get himself started. And so, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. He's definitely one of those people that can just like look at a video and be like, okay, I'm going to try it. Yeah. Like I got this. I'm like, <laughs> I, well, I don't got this. <laughs> I need to watch five more times. <laughs> yeah. And you also worked with Kirk Belden, right? At one point. Yeah. Kirk. He's awesome. Yeah. So your LinkedIn profile is very impressive. I mean, and it's, it's great to hear your story and how things are growing and getting better for you. On that note, where do you think things are headed for you right now? I mean, I, I'm def- I definitely think I'm just headed more into honing my skills, learning some more of the heavy, complex VFX stuff, and hopefully eventually become a senior artist. You know, I've already worked on some cool stuff that I could talk about. I've worked on, like, some of the Aflac commercials. We did one Super Bowl commercial. Nice. And I had, like, they gave me one little scene to work on to get, like, all the retouch out, like, of the logos out of the way. It was the one with Kevin Hart. Uh, for the Sam's Club. So that was fun. Nice. Um, I'm just getting exposed to a lot of stuff. And then I'm just so grateful that they've helped me 
get to where I am and they give me the room to actually continue learning and they just trust me. They'll be like, you know what? This is such a small little campaign. Why don't you handle it? And I'll be like, uh, okay. So I'll conform the whole thing and I'll put it together and I'll post it. So I'm, that's where I'm at right now as far as career-wise. So I'm hoping it's just going to get better. It's really, really good that they care about your growth. And it's also great that you're so eager to move forward. Is there anything in particular that you want to work on specifically? It's still new to me, the practice of it all. Right now, I'm just more like, I'm trying to build muscle memory. Because sometimes, like, you know how we get the lulls? And, like, <laughs> this, like, it's really quiet. And sometimes, like, all of a sudden, a project comes in, and I'll be like, what do I do again? How do I do it again? So... <laughs> I think my main concern right now is trying to build that muscle memory. But if anything, I think what's the fun thing I like to do is probably the comps and making it look so as like, I don't even know how to say it, like just faking that it looks real. It's just like, it's a fun thing. It It's very, it brings such satisfaction, so much satisfaction to like, once you finally and it's it's working and it looks just perfect and it gets approved <laughs> and it gets approved i think that's probably my favorite yeah doing some of the screen comps and or like the big comps where it's like 16 screens where it's like a trip it turn it starts as a triptych and then it turns into like a grid mm -hmm. and that's probably my favorite that's good even though as tedious and annoying as it was it's still my favorite it's the most satisfying once it's done I feel in a way that you're a little bit like me too, because we're talking about like the analytical brain. Like I need to know when I'm working on a campaign, what are all the deliverables? What am I doing? And then it's like, what do you guys need? Yeah, but I need, I need like, I need Google Docs. I need conversations. I need messages. I need emails. Like I need a lot of stuff kind of written out. Oh my God, I'm the same way. Yes. But I feel like we're kind of the same where it's like, I, it's very satisfying when you see something that you start building mm -hmm. small and gets bigger and it gets approved and then you see it on TV and then you're just like, yeah. oh, it's so cool. I worked on that. Yeah. So I, I feel you on that part, be yeah. the, the analytical brain that needs to have all the information and everything plotted right up front. Because you want, you want an idea of the overall big picture so that you can kind of see like what your finish line is. So what's the weather like in Atlanta these days? Well, today it was New York cold. Oh, it was weird. It was rude, actually. How dare it? It was very. It was disrespectful, to be honest. I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> but maybe a week ago it was like hot, and now it's like super cold, and who knows what next week is going to be. So we shall see. So, what advice would you give other assistants or other juniors that are trying to move up and do the things that you're doing? Do you have any advice for those people? Um, whether it's in this industry or not, I think one of this could go for anyone. I think it's learn how to advocate for yourself, just sticking up for yourself, but specifically for flame. And I would think like learn what your figure out what your learning language is so that you can have a better idea how to communicate that to whoever your mentor is or whoever is guiding you in this whole new journey and figure out what is the best way to like teach and learn from that person. I think it's important to figure out what your learning language is because not everyone can teach the same or teaches the same and not everyone learns the same either. So I think that's a good thing to try to figure out. 
and especially for assistants that want to move up and be lead artists, is there anything that or any advice that you want to give to them about what could be a next step if you're in an assistant position to maybe move forward to be a lead artist? I think definitely get really good at Roto. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's definitely a nice foot in the door, so to speak, to the artist to know that you can actually handle like the tedious stuff. Yeah, learning how to getting a handle on Roto and like tracking is definitely a major help as an assistant. And as like you strengthen that, I feel like artists start to want to trust you and want to give you more stuff. Good call. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Logic Podcast. This is great hearing about yeah, everything. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited for your next steps moving forward. So thank you so much. Yeah. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Oh, you too. Thank you for having me. Talk again soon. Bye. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to The Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Move, or Cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed www.thehotspring.com See you next time!